Extra time, Immaculate Grid, Grid 196 for Football Sunday, the 15th of October. Happy Football Day. I think this is third week in a row where you have an early game from London. Big Show, this of course is the bonus show for the Big Show Generations talking about my sports generations. Check out yesterday's episode with Steve and me and we discuss the expanded playoffs and the value of the regular season or devaluing the regular season, if you ask Steve. And somehow, somewhere, and I'm still not sure how or what happened, but Steve calls Robert Ori a carpetbagger. So you have to listen just for that. It is one of the most perplexing things that I've heard him ever say, but also the most amazing things that he ever said. So yesterday's episode, check that one out. It's got to be our best one yet. And just the rant that Steve goes on, uh, it's amazing. So check that out. That's yesterday's big episode, episode 15 for the big show. But this is Generations Extra Time Show, Immaculate Grid. So even though that it's still football time, baseball playoffs, ALCS starts tonight. I just read that Scherzer and John Gray have been activated. So presumably, you know, underneath Bruce Bochy, um, the Rangers, you know, they got a shot. And we're going to talk about it. Also, is this going to be a replay of the 1980 NLCS? If the Astros make it. Because the Astros, of course, were in the NL back in 1980, and the Phillies and the Astros met in the NLCS. So we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But here's the grid for today. We have the Cincinnati Reds in the left-hand column. We have the Tampa Bays in the middle and the 100 RBI in a season on the right-hand side. And we're going to have to be truthful. There's kind of two guys here that, you know, we know, but kind of had to look it up. So we'll come clean for you. Rows are Kansas City Royals, the Gigantes in the middle, and the White Sox on the bottom. So let's just go left to right, top to bottom. For Reds and Kansas City, Kurt Stillwell. Yeah, Kurt, I, I don't know why, how I know this one percent Kurt Stillwell he was a shortstop he was a red he was a royal in those mid to late 80s I just I just remember his baseball card Kurt Stillwell he was nothing of note I think he had one season where he had like 10 home runs maybe 11 home runs which for a shortstop at that point in time that was kind of a big deal double digit home runs here's one I kind of had to look up Roberto Hernandez Royals and Tampa Bay two percent so after he was a giant, which, oh gosh, he was so terrible. He was so bad as a giant. When the Giants again got Danny Darwin, it was part of that deal. Ugh. But um, yeah, he went to the Royals and he actually was solid with the Royals. Roberto Hernandez. Ugh, that guy. 
So I kind of had to look that one up. So we'll take the L on that one. And then 100 RBI in a season for the Royals. I went Denny Tartable 2%. Just him, you know, episode of Seinfeld. Anytime we can add a Seinfeld character in here, you know, we're going to go. It's one of our favorite shows, that and 30 Rock. Let's move down one to the middle row, San Francisco Giants. Cincinnati Reds and Gigantes, you know, Rich Aurelia, 3%. Rich Aurelia, to my surprise, is the answer to the last Giant to have 200 hits in a season. And then before that, you have to go back. Like, it goes back. So that he's like the only guy in my lifetime to have 200 hits or more in a season is Rich Aurelia. He had 35 home runs one season. Oh, those early 2000 Giants were just close, close, but just couldn't quite, couldn't quite get there. And then they became terrible for those late 2000s. And then they turned it back around. Giants and Tampa Bay's Matt Moore. Matt Moore was supposed to help usher the Giants past 2014. And he would have to be taken out of the game against the Cubs. I want to say this is in the 2015 playoffs. So the Giants beat the Mets in the wild card, I believe. And then they go play the Cubs in the DS. And Matt Moore just can't get them over the hump in one of the games. And they have to bring in like 9 million relievers. And the Giants just can't beat the Cubs. I contend if they would have got past the Cubs, you know, they had a reasonable shot at winning the World Series in 15. But they couldn't quite do it. Matt Moore, 2% here. And he, he led the league in losses, I think, for the Giants. While he played for the Giants, I can't remember which year that was. It would have been 15 or 16. He only played a couple seasons. But he's still plugging along. I guess he's a reliever now. I guess he's on the California, the Los Angeles, California Angels of Anaheim of Anaheim. 100 RBI in a season for Yagantes. You know, I went Kevin Mitchell here this, this time, 3%. Just to switch it up. You know, could have gone Will. Will's our favorite player. But, you know, I love Kevin Mitchell, too. Kevin Mitchell. Wow, that guy. All right, so let's talk Sox and Reds. I went Jerry Royce here, 0.09%. Now, Jerry Royce, left-hander. So he actually finished second in Cy Young in 1980. And it wasn't close. It wasn't like it was a close race. Steve Carlton you know, had like a 10.2 war, blew everybody out of the water. He was second in ERA to Don Sutton, led the league in innings pitch, led the league in strikeouts. I think he led the league in wins. Jerry Royce was second, a distant second. But Jerry Royce was right there. And Jerry Royce would end up getting a World Series in 81. It seems like the Dodgers can only win in uh, these truncated seasons outside of 88. You know, 81 and, you know, whatever you want to call this, we'll give him an asterisk for the COVID year. Just to rankle my doyer friends. But Jerry Royce, when I was in high school, I mean, that dude looked washed up. And, and 
if you even look at his profile picture, so that's as a Dodger. So he played with the Dodgers into like 87 or 88. And so let's say this is give him the benefit of the doubt. It's later on in his Dodger career. So he's only like 36, 37 years old. Dude looks like he's in his mid 50s. And dude always had, you know, he's a fair haired white guy. So but he always had that face that, you know, where you have people that drink a lot of alcohol, drink a lot of beer, and they got like that rosy red face from drinking a lot. That that's Jerry Royce. Dude always looked rough. And he was a decent pitcher, like, you know, solid. But uh, yeah, he would be a red for a minute, go to the White Sox. But 1980, Steve Carlton wins Cy Young. And you have the Phillies win the East and the Astros win the West. And let's bring it back around to Bruce Bochy. In game, back then, these were five-game series. So Pete Rose is on first base. This is game four. Phillies are down two games to one. Pete Rose is on first. Greg Luzinski, the bull, comes up. Greg Luzinski, also a White Sox, by the way. Greg Luzinski hits a ball to left field over the head of Jose Cruz. Bounces against the wall. Jose Cruz fields it cleanly. And Rose in, you know, you look at Harper and he runs around the bases and his hat flies off. You know, he runs, his helmet flies off. You know, that was a Rose move. You know, he's he's ripping that from Rose. So he's pulling, pulling that back, you know, bringing that back. But Rose goes around second and, you know, the ball's in front of him. So typically, and when the ball's in front of you, right, you're going to stop. You should stop at third, but he doesn't stop at third. Game's tied at this point, and he rounds third base. And he's barely rounding third base, and Cruz has already got the ball to the shortstop, Langostino. Langostino kind of like double clutches, but he still unloads a, a ball from deep, you know, deep shortstop area, shallow left. And he short hops Bochi is the catcher. Short hops Bochi. Now you listening to the broadcast, it is Howard Cosell and I don't know if it's I'm not sure who the other who the other person is. And if I thought about it, maybe it's it could be McCarver, it could be not sure. And I have to go back and listen to it again. But I'd definitely figure it out. But anyhow, it doesn't not not doesn't matter. And they're talking about how Bochi should have come up the line a little bit because the throw beats Rose. It's not even close. Like the throw beats Rose. Maybe it's seven, eight, nine, ten feet. It's not even not even close. But a short hops Bochi. Bochi takes it off the chest, and then he goes to pick up the ball, or attempts to go after the ball. And at that point, Rose is on him and Rose doesn't even bother to go for. I mean, Bo Rose, it almost looks like he leaps and he does this flying, sh you know, forearm, left forearm shiver right to Bochi's face. I mean, and they come back and if you if you go find it, search game four. NLCS Rose Bochi, it'll come right up first thing. 
And if you watch that through the end, they will show the view coming down the third pace line. And you can just see Rose lifts, lifts up that chicken wing and just delivers it right to Bochi's chops. And then, of course, he just steps around him and scores. And you talk about, like, low rent, man. But that's that's all baseball was. And you want to say, well, that's the tough baseball. That's all this. Like, come on, man. Bochi's trying to get the ball. And, you know, you're dead to rights. If you want to run into him, okay, with the body shot, I guess I'm okay with that, I suppose, depending on what that looks like. But, I mean, this is deliberate. I mean, you could tell it is. Del- and they bring it up. I mean, they don't bring it up that it's deliberate. They bring, oh, he got him right in the chops. And that's this this concept of, like, oh, manly, manly baseball. Like, that's how it's played. I, I, I don't know. I think that's a cheap shot. Because it was a terrible play by Rose. Rose shouldn't should have stopped at third. Now they say that, you know, Bochi should have come up the line and not let the ball short hop him. And then he would have still been able to easily tag out Rose. And I don't disagree with that. But Rose and Rose is actually coming wide. And then he has to come back in to get to deliver that forearm shiver. And I've met Rose in person as a kid. Um, and he. You know, yeah, he played tough. But, I mean, he's also the one that laid out, uh, you know, Fosse in an all-star game. And people like, oh, yeah, well, he's a hustle. He's Charlie Hustle. He's Charlie Dirty. He was a dirty player. He was a jerk. He was a jerk to a kid, 14-year-old kid. I, I wasn't even there to get his autograph. My buddy was. You know, it's 20 bucks. 20 bucks in the 80s to get an autograph. It's insane. And, you know, he'd asked me if I was there. And I was like, no, you know. Unless he was going to give it to me for free. And, you know, it was, the interaction was a little taken aback by me as a fortunate kid. It's like, man, forget you, son. So 1980, go go find that. Bochi brings it all back around tonight. Bochi and the Rangers. So you could have, in theory, Phillies and Phillies and Houston's. Replay of of the 1980 NLCS, or you can have the Phillies and Bochi. Bochi taking it to the chops from the 80 NLCS. Jerry Royce, Jerry Royce. I'm telling you, look at his picture. Is he just? He's got those rosy red cheeks. So you don't know if it's from being a fair-haired skin guy playing outside all the time, not wearing sunscreen, or is it a guy that you know was taking a few every night before bed? Jerry Royce. So here's another one that I kind of looked up. I mean, I kind of knew the answer, but I looked it up. Dave Martinez, 0.8% Tampa Bay and Sox. I don't know. Dave Martinez is like played for a million teams. Kudos to him that, you know, he brought value to his teams to stay in the league as long as he did. Because there's a lot of guys like him that didn't make it or didn't last. As FP Santangelo, another kind of guy like that. FP, I think, lasted. He was, you know, he's a mock. He was an expo. He was a giant, and he only lasted maybe five or six seasons. Also a late, you know, didn't get in the league until he was maybe 26 or 27. Dave Martinez, 0.8%. So between Roberto Hernandez and Dave Martinez, you know, I kind of had to 
double check and look those ones up because it's just Tampa Bay. We've talked about this just a few weeks ago. It's just it's a team that you forget about. They weren't good. And then my knowledge of baseball players, you know, over the last four or five years is terrible. Outside of the top guys, and if you're not a giant or in the NLS, I don't know who you are. So bottom right-hand corner, 100 RBI and Sox. I went Dick Allen here, 4%. We, you know, I've brought up Dick Allen a bunch of times. Rookie of the year, one of, you know, just a handful of players with 200 hits and a rookie of the year in the same season. Nomar, Ichiro, Harvey Keen, Tony Oliva. Dick Allen's one of those guys. Has an MVP, has a 40 home run season. You know, kind of a tragic story initially. And then I think it turns into a good story, but um, go find that episode. We kind of detail Dick Allen's career, but uh, the guy was the guy was pretty phenomenal. And if he was in a different era or a different time or a different team, you know, could he have been or would he have been even better than he already was? Um, the guy, you know, used to drink a lot, and he was kind of to himself, and he had a lot of challenges in his career from the pressure that he was receiving and the racism, you know, the treatment that he received in Philly. You also got to think when he started with the Phillies, it was less than 10 years that baseball had fully integrated. And so apparently, you know, he turned to drinking because, you know, he wore a batting helmet on the field. People, you know, home fans were throwing things at him, batteries, you know, different things at him on the field as a home player. And the guy was good. It wasn't like he was a chump. I mean, the guy, the guy could hit, but he wore a batting helmet into the field. And the way the press made it seem was like, you know, this guy's mercurial. This guy's, you know, different. Uh, no, the guy was black in a city that at the time wasn't feeling a black man being as good as he was. And he was to himself and he was drinking and, you know, the guy, the guy had some challenges. And um, so it's, it's, it's different. Go listen to that episode. We go through it, go through his, and his kind of his redemption arc too. Not only his, but the redemption arc of, of Philly fans. And I think that's one of the things that could be taken away is like, right, times change and we can get smarter. We can learn more. We can have more tolerance. It's okay. It's okay to get better. It's okay to improve. It's when we get obstinate and we take it about us, ourselves, individually, versus thinking about the other person and how they view things and how they absorb things and their experience. Because their experience, we can have the same shared thing and see, feel, and experience it totally differently, even though that it's the same exact, you know, time together. So Dick Allen, that guy's, you know, I wish I would have been able to really see him play. I was too too young, really, to watch him. And then again, baseball, very regional sport. At that, you know, if you call it regional now, think about it. Then there's no way, you know, unless the Giants were playing the Phillies. Wouldn't have even seen them. And even then in Sacramento, it wasn't like we were getting all of the Giants games. So most of the things you had to listen to on the radio. So, you know, being able to see Dick Allen play was very difficult 
um, during that period of time, even if you were Phillies, even if you're in Philadelphia at the time. That's the grid for a football Sunday on the 15th of October. It's grid 196. This is extra time. It is Immaculate Grid. It is the bonus show for generations talking about my sports generations. We're charging to a thousand listens. Keep listening for when the thousand listen party is going to be. And if you're local or if you want to travel, you will be invited and you will know where to go. But follow the show, share it with your friends. We're growing and we appreciate it. Thank you much. I'm Jonathan. We'll see you.